Hello. Welcome back to the Be Unbound podcast. This is your host, Abraham Chen. I'm joined with uh, our CEO, Jonathan Brush, with a very special guest today. Jonathan, can you introduce her? Yeah, well, I'm delighted to be back on, Abe, and um, I'm even more delighted to introduce to you Mrs. Elaine Bell. So Elaine is a special friend of Unbound. She has been a mentor to myself and to our staff for a long time, and more importantly, to generations of Unbound students at our various events um, she has a really long history and ministry and professional achievements that we're going to get into here in a little bit. Uh, but the most important thing that we can introduce you to as is just a, a long friend of Unbound. And there's quite a few of us who wouldn't be the people we are today without the influence of uh, Mrs. Bell and her late husband, Colonel Mike Bell, and uh, wouldn't uh, be the company we are today. Um, and our students could say the same without their influence, without their guidance and without um, their mentorship over the years. And so we're really delighted to share her with our audience today. And so welcome, Elaine. We're glad that you're here and looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. It's a real privilege to be here. Very excited that you're here, Mrs. Bell. So let's get started. And, uh, you know, we know you, but we'd like for our audience to know you. So Elaine, could you tell us a little bit about your journey? Um, just a little bit about how you found out about Unbound and uh, what you do now. So just give us a little bit of a biographical sketch so our audience can get to know you a little bit. Okay, thank you. I'm going to start at the beginning. I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home um, in Alabama and then Florida. I have one brother. My um, parents were both school teachers, and for a portion of that time, my father also had a large poultry farm. And so my brother and I got to start as young children working in that area. One of the my father's favorite stories was that my interest in spiritual things started young and we were often given the privilege when we would get a, um, a box or several boxes of 500 day old chicks and he would give my brother and me the opportunity to teach them how to eat and what that meant is we were supposed to dip their beaks into water and then into food and then put them under a brood or a warm place for them. My father came in to see that I that we were doing that very slowly one day and and the reason was because I was baptizing each one of the baby chicks and praying over them. And he was very grateful that we were at a church at that time that did not baptize by immersion, but by sprinkling. So that's my early, <laughs> my early bent toward loving Jesus. <laughs> I gave my life to Christ at a tent revival meeting when I was probably about 10. But uh, a lot of that was in response to what was a, a fear presentation, or that's how I interpreted it. And yet God used that. And over the years, he drew me closer to him. I was in Bible study in college and afterwards. And yet probably about 20, 20 some years ago, uh, as I was going through a cancer journey, the Lord drew me to himself in a really grace and love filled way so that my response to him um, Though the actions were probably very similar in terms of how I looked to other people, the motivation was totally different. It was no longer fear-driven, but love-driven in response to a very, a very wonderful and loving God. Some of you know I met Colonel Bell when we were in college together. We met at church at Florida State University. We were married one quarter before I graduated because he was going off into the Air Force to the Philippine Islands. In order for me to join him, we needed to be married and said we were planning to be married anyhow. He went on off to the to the Philippines 
And I finished school, worked for a short time, waited for a visa, and got to join him about a year later. It's a long year. But once we were together, we um, spent a lot of time doing wonderful things, enjoying being together, growing in the Lord, and um, got to do a lot of traveling. To um, We rode elephants in Thailand, enjoyed uh, exploring Hong Kong while it was a free entity. We did rapid trains, rapid trains in Japan and uh, traveled through Taiwan as well as the Philippines. But probably most importantly, we became involved with the Protestant youth at the chapel there. Many of those young people, their fathers were spending 28 days a month in Vietnam in the war. And then they were home only for a couple of days. And Mike and I had the opportunity of just becoming friends with many of them and still are today. It was a very, um, a very precious time in our lives and, and set us on a trajectory of discovering that we loved sharing Jesus and we loved that particular age group of high school and college. After Mike retired from the Air Force, we had a short stint in county government and then moved to Dallas to work in a Christian ministry primarily with homeschooled young adults and their families. After that ended, our son had become a coach, uh, had, had gone to work for College Plus and knew that they were looking for coaches. And then uh, when his dad explored that, the leadership series was developing. And so Mike was invited to be a part of that. And as he, and then he asked if I could come to Capstone and um, often would have set up particularly some of the young ladies that he would say, suggested them that they ask me questions about things they were dealing with. And so I sort of came in the back door to um, Apex and to um, Capstone, but it has given me great joy to be involved and to share some of the lives of those of you who are still involved and those who are coming along in that community. So I'm struck um, as I listened to that, that, you know, you, you talked about first uh, a pretty interesting start there. We had mar got married and then I, I did not miss that little gap there. You said you had to wait a year until you had to get to join Colonel Bell. So that, that's some significant time to, to do that. But then uh, what also I, I heard you say is that you started almost immediately with working in ministry when you arrived on station and with the folks there. And then I know both from knowing you, from you before and what you just said that that participation in ministry of some kind has continued right through to this day. So I'm curious, that is a span of a globe and a lot of time and a lot of different things. What are some of the highlights? Out of all those different things that you've done, do you have some some favorites? Are there some favorite times when you think that when it comes to ministry and the places that you served and, and what you did there? Um, what are the highlights as you look back on a, a long life of service there? I, I think Jonathan and I, um, Mike and I loved Jesus and we loved people. And we lived in a lot of different places. We lived in the Philippines and Turkey and in various places in the United States. And uh, people often ask, what, what did you like? Which place did you like best? And I find that there were places that we enjoyed, uh, maybe a little bit more than others, but it's the people in each of those places that stood out to us. And so we had opportunities almost from the very beginning to be involved with young adults and to um, just come alongside them. They were all precious because they were people that we came to care about. 
and um, spanned from those we knew as high school students in the Philippines. We had an opportunity there to um, take the, the group from the chapel to a southern island of the Philippines and spend a week working at a um, Christian camp that a missionary <clears throat> and his family had built. That was a pretty exciting thing, a pretty exciting time, and we still have uh, relationships with some of those young adults today. In more recent years, or probably in the, in the last 20 or so years, we got to make a number of international trips to teach in Moscow, Russia, in Seoul, South Korea, Australia, and New Zealand, as well as here in the United States. And so those involved some wonderful travel. <clears throat> but again, the, the piece there that was the most precious was sharing Jesus with, with people. And um, we found those that loved him and wanted to grow in their relationships with him all over the world. Well, maybe I'd like to ask the reverse of that too. What were some of the um, most difficult parts of that? Uh, you know, what were, what were some of the, you know, as, as you look back on uh, a lot of different places and a lot of different people, uh, were there times or places that were particularly hard and really stretched you? I, I would say that when um, Mike spent um, five years at working at the Pentagon, and those were very demanding years for him. Over that time, he had, had a great deal of responsibility. He traveled a lot, was gone a lot. The children were young. He traveled both in the United States and internationally quite a lot. There were some challenging times. I recall one particular time I remember standing at the top of a win at, upstairs at, near a window in our second floor of our townhouse on base and thinking, hmm, if I jumped out and broke my leg, maybe someone would take care of me for a while. And then I thought, well, as soon as I got out of the hospital, I just have to lug a cast around up and down the stairs. So maybe that's not a good idea. But I did tell a friend that I had had those thoughts. And she said, could I come over tomorrow and bring dinner and just say, stay with the children for a while so you could have a break? And I said, yes, you could. And I went. It was wintertime. I went and sat in the parking lot of the base chapel and read my Bible for, and prayed for two hours. And then I went back and I was okay. So, so that was a time, um, the Philippines, I know Turkey was a very challenging place to live in terms of creature comforts. We had had five years at the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., where our children thought we were poor. And then we went to Turkey and they discovered we were by no means poor. We lived in an, on the eighth floor of an apartment building and um, had no yard with about a thousand square feet of apartment and four children and a dog and very erratic electricity. Uh, we had hot water for two hours, two times a week in the summertime and three times a week in the wintertime. Very unreliable electricity, I think I said that. And and we woke up and lived throughout the day listening to the Muslim calls to prayer. Um, and yet there we found God in a unique Christian community and he was faithful to us. We got to do, on the flip side of that, um, to visit many of the seven churches that Paul, uh, John wrote about in Revelation. So always to the hard things where there were the flip sides of God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness to us in using people in our lives to be a blessing. Uh, Mrs. Bell, that was really cool to hear. And as Jonathan mentioned, you've been involved in serving and in ministry uh, since you were young. I would love to know 
at the age uh, of 18 to 22, when you were in college, where a lot of us Unbound students who are listening um, are at this stage of life, was there anything that you did during that time that you think prepared you for this life of ministry and really travel and going around, in a sense, being Unbound, as we would say? What do you think? Well, I went to a very traditional college. I went to Florida State University, and there are two two directions I want to go here. One, I learned how to study. I learned to research. I cultivated a love of learning, which I see that happening in so many of you Unbound students. I developed some people skills. I walk, grew in my walk with the Lord, and and more importantly, in that particular time frame, <clears throat> I met and married. Mike, at the same time, I would offer to you that I, as I prayed for a husband, I prayed for someone who would pursue the Lord and that I could walk with in that uh, venture of life. And the one thing I said to the Lord, though, but could he please not be in the military because I don't want to have to travel or move. And when we got married, Mike was expecting only to finish a four-year ROTC commitment and yet God promoted him and gave us opportunities that were priceless. And so my idea of wanting to just be settled in a little house in a little community for my whole life was not what God had in mind. Fortunately, he didn't tell me that right off the bat. He let that unfold as my faith in him to trust him that I would be able to do those things grew. Does that answer that question, Abe? <laughs> yeah, I really think so. Um, it's cool to see how God has a sense of humor. And when we say we really don't want something, he often uses that to grow us and mature us. That being said, in your 20s, uh, if you could look back and give advice to your 20-year-old self, yourself in your 20s, what would you tell her? I would say that my love of learning was really key and I would for, and just encourage continuing to do that. I find that I'm still fascinated by learning new things. Learning how to do a podcast is my newest, so that's, but but I love to learn. And so I would just encourage young adults to pursue learning, pursue, pursue experiences where you get to know people and you discover who God has designed you to be. I would encourage you, I would if I could look back, I would be more, even more intentional about pursuing a relationship with the Lord and becoming, uh, becoming a student of who God is, a theologian, so to speak. Theology is, theology is study of theo God. I would just really, I really benefited, especially as I grew older, in studying who my God was, learning what His character was, and. In my life, God did that a lot by studying Hebrew names of God and just discovering, letting the Holy Spirit expand my vision of who my God is so that I wasn't taking the words that I heard in a, in a, um, a sermon, but exploring scripture myself. The book uh, by Kay Arthur, Lord, I Want to Know You, was very pivotal in that in my life. I would encourage myself to focus more on what a believer in Christ does as opposed to what they don't do, but rather looking at how do I engage and so spend enough time with my God <clears throat> that I begin to reflect his image. If I was designed to, if this is designed in the image of God, how do I get to know him in ways that I then 
can reflect some of that image to those around me. Sort of, I've looked at it sort of like if if God is the sun in my life and I am the moon absorbing that light so that I can then reflect it in another dimension to those around me. I would also, I think, encourage young adults to um, discover more of who they are and their gifts and talents from the perspective that God is the writer of our individual stories within his big story is designed and equipped you uniquely for the role that he has for you to play and um, embracing not only your gifts and talents, but your time in history, your gender, and asking God to just give you a delight in who he has made you to be. I would also say invest in people, invest in knowing God and invest in people. Those are the two categories that are going to be eternal. So spend time in them. C.S. Lewis, I think it is, says something like, no man is a mere mortal. So see that of yourself that we're preparing not only for this life, but for eternity. But so are all those you come in contact with. We are growing together. I don't know if you wanted this many ideas, but one would be to develop some, some covenant relationships or commitments with other people. We were blessed to have three other couples that God led us into a kind of covenant relationships with when we were in our 20s, that we covenanted together to do life over the long haul, to encourage and pray for each other and offer counsel and be available for encouragement, to come alongside each other in the hard things and sometimes to offer cautions or ask good questions. And um, those friendships were particularly helpful to us because we moved around and we didn't have a, a, a community that was going to support us through time. It was going to vary. And so those three other couples were huge, huge influences in our lives. I see that happening at Unbound. I see you all developing relationships that I suspect will be lifelong, maybe look very different from the ones that Colonel Bell and I had, but pursuing relationship with people who are going to be willing to encourage you, walk alongside you, pray for you, and say hard things when you need to hear them as well. Also, when you said that, I thought of Unbound and the relationships there, but you used some interesting language that I'd like you to tell me more about. You said covenant relationships. You didn't You didn't say close friends, and you didn't say good friends that persisted. Uh, you, said some, you said covenant relationships. That implies something very specific and very deliberate, um, and I think that's particularly interesting uh, because of your career um, and your background in terms of how often you moved around and yet uh, a long-term commitment to those people. So, so tell me more about that. What, what, what did, exactly did you mean? What kind of covenant relationship did you enter into with those three other couples? The four men wrote up an actual document where they were committing to walk alongside each other, to committing to prayer, to getting together whenever possible. We only lived in the same area for two two years of our lives, and then God separated us and sent us into various places. At the time we made those commitments, the men all, um, Mike was in the Air Force, another fellow was in the Army, one worked for General Electric, and one worked for the CIA. And yet over the years, we committed to get together 
as often as possible, which usually was not more than once a year. Those were before email days and cell phones, and so we wrote letters. The men committed to each other that if any of them were to predecease their wives, that these men would step in to be uh, helpful and with the wives and children. And the two remaining men in that group are still very involved in giving me counsel that I seek for them today. And I do, uh, as a result of COVID, I do a Zoom call for a couple of hours once a week with the other three wives. Does that answer that question, Jonathan? Yeah, and thank you. I think that's a, that's a beautiful picture of a long-term relationship inside the church and in a way that has obviously paid dividends over a lifetime. And so I, I thank you for sharing that. I would answer, uh, offer to that that though the men were all in secular jobs when we made that commitment and were in a Bible study together in Washington, D.C., all of the all of the men had another career. One was a missionary in in Europe. One um, became financial officer at a camp in California, a Christian camp, and one was the head of the Bowery Mission for twenty years. And then we were in mission and ministry for about twenty years here in Dallas. So God took us all over the world in very different arenas, and yet. All of the men ended up with a second career in full-time Christian ministry. You know, as you've been talking, we also talk in Unbound about principles and perspective. So, you know, principles, those things are true no matter what, and perspective, being able to really look at them and understand them. Um, So you've hit again and again upon the principle of faith and and everything that you've done being done uh, in light of your understanding of Christ and serving him. Uh, but also you come again and again to people, invest in people. And and I know that you say that consistently outside of podcasts. I know that that is one of the major takeaways that I learned from Colonel Bell over years of him saying that to students and to me directly. But I also have heard you talk about uh, the years of the Pentagon and uh, the span of time that you've known these other couples. And uh, particularly early on, you mentioned that you were in um, some of those areas of the world during the war, which I, I know you're referring to Vietnam. And I wondered if you could uh, sort of help us with some perspective here. And, and what I mean by that is that uh, that was a time that was extremely turbulent for our country. It was extremely turbulent at home. And, uh, you know, I wasn't alive during then, but my understanding of history is that you were on the wrong side of history. Colonel Bell would have been in uniform at a time when uniforms were not particularly popular in our country and on the domestic front. Um, we also are living in a turbulent time. And I think one of the things that I observe and that Abe and I talk about a lot is that our students sometimes have a hard time putting that in perspective. You know, that, that there's a kind of, it, there's a lot of upheaval. There's a lot of change. There's a lot of uncertainty. I feel like that maybe perhaps pales to the uh, kind of upheaval that you have lived through. And so give us a little bit of perspective in terms of, you know, if, if you're talking to young people now, who think that the world is just completely messed up and going over the edge of a cliff and they're on the the wrong side because of the values and the principles that they stand on. Um, Yet you have kind of a longer view on that. So um, can you kind of provide a little perspective for us and some thoughts along those lines? Well, I would say that there are some days when I look at the headlines and a lot of days when I don't look at the headlines anymore that I could share some of those concerns. And yet I guess I do have a little bit longer view of history of having seen that it's our God who is faithful. And certainly the children of Israel did not live in easy times. 
early Christians did not live in easy times. The idea that life is going to be easy just is, a, I think, probably a fallacy, that it is our walk with God, and as He leads us, and as, as we embrace the idea that our time in history is not a surprise to God. We are uniquely designed and, and will be equipped and that he will walk with us from the beginning of time. He will walk with us, his children today, in the world that he has placed us in and that he will be the faithful one. And that there are, and we don't have to look very far in Unbound and other places to discover that there are the other of the the remnant who are being called to do that as well. I was just reading this last week in Chronicles when Elijah in such despair after the great uh, lighting the fire. And yet Elijah said, you know, I'm going to run away because I'm going to die tomorrow. And he had those same feelings. And yet in that section, we see that God says, I'm still here. I know where you are. He knows where we are and he knows who we are. And he is the one who is faithful. He's not going to withdraw from us, whatever the circumstances are. And, and I guess maybe that would go back into what I said, Jonathan, about pursuing the character of God so that when we face these new seasons in life, I love the, the verse in, and I think it's second Chronicles, maybe 2012, that says, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you, that our eyes are on God, knowing that Whatever's happening in our lives is not late breaking news in heaven. God's plans have not been thwarted and he is going to use his people and he's going to walk with us in that and give us others with whom to walk and encourage, be encouraged by and encourage. Thank you. I appreciate very much that perspective. So, And that's an amazing reminder, Mrs. Bell, of what you were talking about, how God is faithful just in the different times. I'd like to ask you practically, when you went through all these uh, difficult situations or are feeling discouraged, what were some of the things that helped you to regain perspective, everything that you talked about, or to dive deeper into understanding God's character? Was it uh, just through encouragement around you, or were there other things, other books that helped you? A probably the most important thing is seeing the character of God and seeing his faithfulness. And I have more than seven dec decades of life of watching that happen and seeing him be faithful. Mike was also, as you all know, he was incredibly positive. And so he was always probably leading the way while he was still here on earth in encouraging me to trust God and reminding me of God's faithfulness in the past. So he modeled that well for me, but Jesus models that well too for us. And so even when I'm faced with situations today, and there are many in my life right now that are new for me, even if I don't understand or can't or feel hurt or am dealing with my own emotions in those situations, I know from experience that God is faithful and that he does not abandon his children. And so I have to go back to that and choose to trust that he is going to be faithful to me, even in, in the new situation I'm in, even if I don't understand or can't see where that's leading. I found there are many, there are a number of authors who've been, who've been very helpful to me, Elizabeth Elliott being one, uh, John Piper, 
Kay Arthur in terms of Bible study. Um, Carolyn Custis James is another one that I found very helpful in looking at my relationship as a woman in God's design and creation. Um, she introduced me to the, the idea of the word Hebrew word azer, E-Z-E-R, and how it's used. Uh, it's a word that is used as Eve is brought to Adam, but it's also used about 20 other times in the Old Testament. Most of those are used to describe God as he is comes alongside the children of Israel in various situations and comes along to walk with them and help them in the battles of life. So that's I'm still in the battles of life, and they look different, and those with whom I will walk beside are changing. <clears throat> so my children have moved away, and as my grandchildren are getting older, and I don't have the same, um, they, they're not as needy for my help. Um, <clears throat> so looking at, okay, what does it mean to be an Azer, to come alongside others in the battles of life now? And yet to trust that God is going to reveal that to me as I as I walk in these in these next days. I was with my youngest daughter, who is at my our son Adam's twin sister, a couple of months ago, and she was driving, she and I were driving, and her three little boys were in the back of the car, and the eldest one said, Mommy, would you? I wrote this down because I thought it was so, so clever. He said, Mommy, could you please drive smoothly and steadily so I can make my line straight in my drawing? And he's seven, Rowan is seven, and his mother said, I will endeavor to do that, Rowan. I was thinking about that just the other day, how um, we want God to drive smoothly and steadily in our lives, and yet life is not often smooth and steady. And it's in those times that we discover who our God is and that he is trustworthy and faithful, that he has placed people around us who can help steady us when um, we're trying to still draw, make our lines straight, but the road is bumpy. That, I guess those are places where, that it's, it's ordinary people in my life doing ex ordinary things extraordinarily well, as Jonathan often encourages that I see in my daughters, my daughter-in-law, my son, my sons-in-law, as I see them being faithful in the challenges of life, in the bumpy parts of life. And I see that for them. And I know that God has been that for their father and me and draw comfort in that even when I can't see the next thing. And I'm saying, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you, God. As we uh, kind of get to the last little piece of our time here, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you some more specific information. So I know both you and Colonel Bell as people who do invest deeply in relationships and consequently are real experts in relationships. Leadership is at heart about a relationship with the people that you serve. And Colonel Bell was the, the leadership teacher and instructor for Unbound and really has built the foundation that the the company, the culture, and our student body rests on now with that. But I wanted to kind of come at it from sort of the other angle. You know, we're in a time where social media has really drained our relational capital and in a time where COVID has really distanced people from each other. And so I feel, I see and observe, and, and Abe and I talk about this a lot, that there's a real starvation for relationships. And yet there's also a real kind of 
lack of skill, uh, maybe just from lack of practice. So as you look back over a lifetime of serving people and coaching folks and modeling great relationships, uh, both with Colonel Bell and with the people that you've served, what are some of the things that you observe that you see young people, the kind of relational mistakes that you see happen again and again? Because I know that, you know, with some time, you start to see some patterns. So as you observe the lives of people around you over the years of your ministry, what kind of relational mistakes do you see happen again and again that you most frequently kind of speaking into as you work with people? That's a hard one for me, Jonathan, because as I was, I see so many people doing things well, especially in the unbound community and in student groups that I've worked with. But I think, well, let me use another little story. Mike was in the hospital just, just for a week before he died after just a couple of days back at home. But a group of doctors had come in and they, the resident was explaining his particular um, ALS condition to this group of young doctors, and they went through all the scientific parts. Then Mike said, can I say something? And the, the doctor said, sure. And he said, gentlemen, remember that there's a person inside this body. And we all know that one of Mike's favorite sayings was, remember, there's a melodrama behind every smiling face. And maybe that's where we could start is knowing that The people with whom we encounter, the people God brings into our lives are people who have a story and their story is just important to them and to God as ours is to us. And so perhaps we can learn to ask questions and listen and care and not be so consumed by what's going on in our lives that we have no bandwidth left to invite another person to to be a part of our lives or to become a part or to invest in another person or to to make time to ask those questions and recognize that they're dealing with issues just like we are. I introduced myself to someone at church yesterday that I'd never met before. And I said, I don't usually come to this service, but are you new? And he said, I've been here a few times. And, And he just sort of opened up that he had just recently gone through some very traumatic things in his life. And I was glad I just listened and then was able to to guide him to someone who might be more helpful. I think perhaps if we stop and listen to other people and ask questions and invite them into our lives as well to ask questions of us and to walk together. I'm not sure, Jonathan, does that answer that or speak to that question at all? Yeah, I think very well. I would hesitate to summarize that because you summarized it so well, but to not miss the story in the other person and to not miss seeing the person. Um, and if we were going to flip it around to not make the mistake of, uh, you know, the, what is the most common racial mistake is to miss the story and to not see the person. That's a good thing for all of us to remember. With all that, maybe our last question here. I know that despite all the things that you've done, you're still running at 100 probably plus percent. Uh, so so as we finish out, maybe our last question would be, what are you excited about now? What are some of the dreams that you are personally chasing right now at this season of life? The pandemic and COVID really changed life for all of us, but I, I was grappling with a huge change in my life and, and the loss of my spouse of over 50 years as well as dealing with all of the pandemic restrictions and those things. So I don't know if that sort of felt like a pause in my life, although there were myriad things I was learning how to do that Mike used to do that I I didn't know how to do. 
So there was no lack, no dearth of activity in my life during that time. But I, I think I'm now at more of a place of how do I go back and and look at the ways that God describes the Azer in the Old Testament and ask him how that applies to my life today. How do I come alongside people in new ways? What is um, what is his direction for this season of my life? I've, I've chosen to do a lot more reading and um, a chronological study Bible, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of God for Sinners and Sufferers. I'm reading, rereading Chuck Colson's book on How Shall We Now Live, Jeff Meyer's Understanding the Faith, How Do I Integrate in New Ways in this season of my life? How do I not only seek to know God better, but how to I where where do I engage with my culture and with young adults? I recently reread uh, Carry On Mr. Bowditch, a book, a children's book about facing adversity and overcoming that. These Strange Ashes is a book by Elizabeth Elliott where she talks about her first year on the mission field and how that all seemed to burn as ashes and yet what she learned of God in that. So I'm doing some of the same things, but uh, God has just made me aware that there are new horizons and I'm exploring what they are and excited about them. And one of those is the Unbound community. I've so enjoyed being a part of that young, that group. And uh, being welcomed there again this summer. And but for whatever purposes I can serve in that community, I take great joy. And as I mentioned there, that I'm sure Colonel Bell is leaning over the guardrails of heaven, if that's an option, and cheering them on and cheering all of you on. I um, am loving just having a new opportunity to do a little bit of that myself. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. Uh, for our audience, let this episode sort of stand as a, a monument to the fact that uh, who we are as a community, uh, the things that we have, our student body has accomplished, and speaking personally for myself and each one of the staff members who actually work for Unbound, our lives have been profoundly and significantly impacted uh, by Colonel and Mrs. Bell, uh, directly through teaching and, and when it comes to, to Colonel Bell and his leadership training, um, but uh, directly, perhaps more importantly, through hundreds, maybe thousands of small conversations and interactions, uh, relational guidance at the times when we were struggling, uh, little pearls of wisdom, what times we needed it, uh, gentle correction when we started to drift the other way, uh, observations that gave us perspective and put us back on track. Um, so this should serve as a, a long -term or longer term monument to the fact that as an organization, as a company, as a team, as a community, we are who we are because of the, the relational capital invested into us by Colonel and Mrs. Bell. And uh, so we are profoundly grateful and uh, just wise enough to recognize the impact that you've had on us. So thank you for your time today, but most importantly, thank you for your, your long time investment in us that uh, continues to pay dividends in our lives. Uh, just constantly. So Mrs. Bell, thanks so much for your time here today. Thank you, Jonathan. It's been a real privilege and blessing to me to get to walk in this community as well. I would just echo what Jonathan just said. As a student, as an unbounder, thank you so much for seeing the story in us as young people. To you, Mrs. Bell, and to Colonel Bell, um, how you've invested so much in us directly and for many of us in community, maybe indirectly, but as Jonathan just said, we all very much feel the investment and in your presence. So once again, 
representing the students. Thank you very much. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Mrs. Bell mentioned many of the other events and programs that we do as Unbound. She mentioned the leadership courses or Apex or even Ascend. If you want to learn more about what we do here at Unbound, go to beunbound.us. That's beunbound.us to learn more about the Ascend program, our higher education college program for young people. Uh, you can also learn more about Capstone and the leadership courses and what Colonel Bell and Mrs. Bell used to help us with. There's a lot more information on the website. There is also the blog and links to the Unbound YouTube channel where there is a lot of fun content that goes more in-depth into a lot of the concepts that we talked about here. Mrs. Bell, thank you so much again for being on. This was such a blessing to hear your wisdom. Next week on Unbound Talks for the podcast, we will be again with Victoria, Jace, and Jonathan Brush talking about the recent exodus from public schools and the different perspectives, what that means for education as a whole, especially college and higher education. A lot of really interesting topics. You don't want to miss that. Hope you learned something today, especially from Mrs. Bell. This is the BM Bound Podcast. Thank you for listening. I will see you guys next time. Bye.